Hi, welcome to BoobTube, the podcast where smart women talk about what they're watching and not watching. I'm Amanda Teuscher. And I'm Sarah Whitus. Sarah, you've had an exciting week. I have. I played, uh, actually, it's funny. So I really thought about you this week because I was thinking a lot about when the Cleveland Indians uh, went to the World Series a couple of years ago (laughs) and how intensely um, emotional and dramatic that whole experience <laughs> was. Because we were living, we were living together. Time. Yeah, and it was a wild ride. Uh, yeah. When, it's when exciting, isn't it? And now the Nats are going to the World Series, and it's really exciting. And it's I'm, like... I'm very excited. I hope they win. I truly hope they win. I can't imagine that either uh the astros or the yankees will suck nearly as much as the cardinals managed to um kind of throughout those a couple of games (laughs) um obviously their best uh postseason um they've ever had as a franchise clearly but i mean it already was even before this but well, like i mean it's yeah. not very long they've history. never gotten out of the uh Sorry. that's true it's true it's not that <laughs> long a history that is definitely true but it's very exciting so the games yeah. well i do hope week. they win even more so if they play the yankees yeah um, that would be a real chef's kiss i think so now you know what it's like when you're like, what did you watch this week, Amanda? And I'm, I'll, I'd be like, uh, the NBA. Right. <laughs> it's like this week right. you've watched baseball. I did not watch the succession finale for three days because I was watching baseball and I actually like just watched it and it was extremely good. But I did not regret it for a second. I was like, nope, going to watch baseball for four hours a night. I mean, it's night good to have priorities. I think that's, I think it's that's true. important. It's true. It's true. I did, I, I see um, that you got a Shit's Creek sweater here. Oh my God. Yeah. So I was in the Adirondacks, at, the mountains. I was in yeah. the Adirondacks <laughs> all weekend um, with minimal internet and no, uh, no cell service even really. Um, and Sounds definitely horrible. no TV. So I w- did not watch TV for five days. But while I was gone, I got a delivery and it was a sweater from Schitt's Creek. So this consignment shop in Toronto got all of the designer clothes that were worn on Schitt's Creek and then sold them all um, at like noon on like Tuesday two weeks ago. And so two of my co-workers, co-workers who are also big Schitt's Creek, Schitt's Creek fans, we booked a conference room and then like refreshed our computer until suddenly the, the sale was live and then just bought the first thing we could. And I bought this, uh, well, I tried to buy this one David sweater that I had remembered from season four and then it someone scooped it out from underneath ah. me. And so I just bought the next thing I could, which was another what looked like a David sweater. I could not figure out the episode when he wore this. Like my coworker and I have... Like, looked through every episode, like, hmm. scrolled over across. And it doesn't have, like, a provenance on the, uh, you know, like, with, It doesn't with tell you. Like, I wanted it to come with a card, like, worn so-and-so. So I started freaking out. I'm like, what if David never wore this sweater? What if it's a Roland sweater? Because then I got it, and it's not, <laughs> it's not actually black. It's navy blue, like a really dark navy blue, but it looked black on the the website. Yeah, and it probably would have looked black on the show, too. It probably would have, but it just seems not in keeping with his thing. In later seasons, he starts to wear, like, more grays. So I'm thinking, 
My hope. Oh my God, I, I also didn't see anybody else wearing it. it I'm kind of like, well, maybe it was a Ted or even a Patrick, but Patrick doesn't really wear sweaters, and this it seems too David for Ted to wear. Hmm. So I'm hoping it's like from a season six episode that they've already filmed. Oh, that's possible. I really hope so because I have not been able to find it, and I'm like terrified that I spent 135 Canadian dollars. <laughs> I would even honestly. I feel like you could even like you know maybe even write you know email them back and be like did you guys get you know any kind of documentation with these about which episode i mean i do love this i honestly would love it even more if it was a roll-in sweater i would be so upset (laughs) can you guess the shipping was 50 canadian dollars oh my god does it actually fit you does it look good no no it's like a men's large Like comes down. I to just your was knees. buying it as a collectible. I wanted a David sweater as a collectible that maybe I'd like wear around the apartment or something. But I'm not uh, gonna wear it out. I uh, honestly, a, a a wear at home Roland sweater is even is even better. Honestly, I hate it. No, I don't want to. I want to know that Daniel Levy was wearing it, not Chris Elliott. Yeah, I understand. You want to? Too expensive for that. Take a deep whiff and see if you get like a you know. Like a, a, it smelled a, very clean. I did do that. Yeah, a Dan Levy kind of vibe from it. Ugh. It That's just seems wonderful. like a David sweater. Um, I might maybe I'll post it to our Twitter a photo of it. And just yeah, like, yo, people do. Know if anyone can identify, from? yeah, the the character wearing this sweater. Um, I just need to know, but I just didn't Amanda see it needs, anywhere. We got to crowdsource this. Amanda needs help. I need. We got to get people on this case. If anyone feels like rewatching all of Shit's Creek. In the next week I mean, or so. we've all done it already. I mean, I spent a lot of this week watching the fifth season, honestly. About half of which I yeah. had watched when it was on, because I forgot that I bought a bunch of episodes on Amazon um, <laughs> in my impatience to watch the fifth season, and then kind of, like, stopped doing that at some point. But yeah. I did finish the fifth season this week, and uh, wow, it's got a real, real ending. Real it does, it it's, does. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it, but brought a I mean, tear, brought a tear to my I eye. I know, I know. I know. I didn't want to just in case anyone it's only been out, you know, on the Netflix for a week, so in case anyone hasn't I mean, I mean you really doing? you need but I know, yes, you need like good, one good, afternoon. Good yeah, to catch up, but uh, it's uh, so sweet. So sweet. Well, so what else did you watch this week? Well, um, it's been a couple of weeks since we wa- since we last talked, and I actually want... The other thing I was going to talk about that I watched, the main thing, uh, I actually watched on a plane en route to California, um, which was probably the ideal way to watch this because... Um, Porn. <laughs> yep, just right in my center seat. Um, There's yeah. a kid next to me, but they didn't know what was going on. No, they can't. Oh, it's just a mass of bodies. We, um, so I watched the, I think I spoke of this briefly at the end of our last episode, but the transparent musical finale. Yeah, that just sounds so weird. It was a real experience, <laughs> especially on a plane where I think your like emotions are, are sort of already, you know, a little bit... Um, Oh, yeah. Heightened or toyed with. Um, A total train wreck, as I predicted, but not without its moments. Um, You know, 
The main thing here is that I think everyone probably remembers Jeffrey Tambor was fired from the show after being accused of um, sexually harassing another actress on the show, Trace Lissette. So he was fired, not in the not in the episode. Another at all. actress. Yes, another actress on the show, um, and and he was fired. There was a lot of kind of controversy about it at the time, where people thought Jill Soloway, the creator of the show, wasn't really handling it well. Um, but the way that they handle this in the, uh, episode is at the start of the episode, just first thing killed off, um, the character of, of Mora, um, found dead of a heart attack, um, never seen on screen, no pictures ever throughout the episode, even though it's, uh, her funeral, um. Like, so it just felt very obviously weird. Yeah, it was a little bit odd. And, you know, I mean, say what you will about uh, certainly about will. Jeffrey Tambor. And we all have thoughts. <laughs> um, you know, Jeffrey Tambor, I will say this, like, even though the casting of Jeffrey Tambor, you know, wound up proving to be, you know, pretty problematic. I think having a, a cisgender actor portray this this role of this trans woman you know, Jeffrey Tambor was really good in the role, I, I do think. And his character was still the heart of the show, even though the whole show had kind of moved on, I think, to become, you know, more about the whole family's journey um, of their response to Mora's transition and kind of ultimately wound up becoming less of a focus on Mora as the show went on. So we kind of expanded the universe, but still it was weird to not have the central character. What I'm not, um, the other main thing about this is that it was a musical finale. So why did they do that? Were there ever hints in the rest of the series that Mm -mm. musical was something that was in that vibe? Nope. Never. Uh, (laughs) There's no, not a musical show um and you know i'm not against musical episodes of shows like the buffy musical is a work of pure genius uh but you know in a show that didn't really have any other musical you know but um this was so i think what happened is that uh a couple in 20 maybe 17 i guess the co-executive producer of the show jill soloway's sister faith soloway staged like a sort of small theater production that was called what if we made transparent a musical and it was just like casting a bunch of broadway actors um as the roles of the characters on the show and and she did write some songs and she put this on a couple of times and then once the show and jeffrey tambor you know once the show was in fact like brought back by Amazon, um, they said, we're going to do one last episode and then it's going to be this musical take. Um, the songs were not good (laughs) and the actors are not singers. (laughs) I felt pretty bad for them throughout. Um, the actors, uh, Amy Landecker, uh, Jay Duplass and and Gabby Hoffman playing the kids, not singers, not a one of them. However, you know, the the other main character of the show is um, Shelly, their mom, played by Judith Light, 
who is, thank God, a two-time Tony Award winner. So she had some fun with her songs. But, I mean, the main thing here is that the songs weren't very good. They weren't very memorable. And when you have songs in a musical, they're kind of serving to propel, you know, the narrative forward or key kind of revelations of a character, right? And these songs just didn't really do that did they feel like gratuitous yeah they were unnecessary i mean the only ones that felt just songs so that they could say it was a musical yeah so that we could be like it's a musical and that's like the gimmick and it's like okay all right but what was a bummer was that this show i mean you know transparent i think had it was always a little uneven but ultimately one of its real strengths is like these actors are great and they're great at really just needling into really complicated emotions, emotional reactions to different situations. And they're so good at that. And the writing about that is so good about kind of these just, yeah, very complicated life. uh, Yeah, the transitions or, you know, being stuck or confused about different, you know, religion or sex or kids or marriage or like whatever. And... Um, I would have loved to see just the show approach head on this character's death and these characters processing their grief. Um, But instead, the songs were just distracting and we didn't really get to see a lot of their uh, really emotional reactions to their parents' death at all and you know and then there was just a bunch of of course because it's the last episode we're like dissatisfyingly trying to tie up a ton of loose ends does a lot of things that don't really make sense and it just felt really um sloppy and i mean the only songs that felt kind of germane to a plot were the fact that um kind of i will say keeping in kind of in character but Shelly the character Shelly Judith Lice character um decides for some reason to stage a play as a response to her ex-spouse's um death as she's trying to kind of process Maura's death I'm gonna she's gonna like she's put on a one-woman show a couple of years ago that was a really brilliant plot twist actually but this is she's going to put on this show about her family's lives and cast actors as her children. And she also winds up casting a um, trans woman, uh, a weed dealing trans woman who was played by Shakina Nafak, who you may recognize as Lola from Difficult People the um, oh, trans yeah. waitress who oh, was so funny. so funny and I was like trying to place her but in this um, she's bald and without the big head of blonde hair I just wasn't recognizing her um, and then I just looked her up right before this and I was like oh my god she's Lola such a good Lola character so good difficult people um, but anyway she hires this this trans woman actress um, to play Mora in this fictionalized um, musical that she's staging of uh, her life. And so there's a couple of songs that kind of more naturally feel connected to that plot line, because at least that's a theater plot line. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was, and, and this all winds up 
culminating in the actual funeral of Mora. Um, and I will say that for a show that I think had these really meaningful depictions of not just just Judaism, but there was a whole plot line a few years ago about kind of generational trauma um, in response to the Holocaust that was at times over the top, but at times really, really moving. Um, and, you know, so it was a show and I saw this line uh, in a Hollywood Reporter review and I thought it was really interesting. Like, the tr- no, I've never seen a show, yeah, that, that, that portrayed Judaism in this kind of, I think, um, like meaningful a way and not just portraying Jewishness as like a character trait, which I think is like what happens on Maisel, you know, Mm -hmm. of like, it's like an affect of these characters. And this is, I mean, this is a show that last year, like the whole show was set in, in Israel, like the family going to Israel. and, And that season was not necessarily great, but it did kind of, wind up with one of the characters like deciding to become a rabbi and it's just really interesting and then this all culminates in like this the whole cast including like previous guest stars coming back and everything um singing a song that i'm not kidding is called joy Cost when they're trying to what? kind of like come up shelly the character shelly shelly was like is like wondering what would be a a kind of equal and opposite reaction again, like to the Holocaust. And she's kind of like, it would be like 6 million Jews all kind of like joyously laughing and singing and dancing. And then they burst into this like terrible song. I mean, it's not even that it's like, why even call it that? Why not just call it like, like, Jew, Jew, Jewful joy, 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 Jew, Jew, like Jew joy. Okay, Jew joy. I like it. with the Holocaust. Like, I mean, there, there's, and there's other references to the Holocaust throughout the episode. There's, there's the one of the characters is married to a non-Jew, and so her her children are kind of half Jewish, and they're only sort of, um, only sort of like aware of a lot of Jewish traditions and they actually once they find out that mora is being cremated they're like kind of confused about the whole thing with the ovens and she's like no that's a totally different oven (laughs) in the holocaust like there's it's a show that actually has addressed the holocaust i think in a lot of ways that are yeah that are that are actually really interesting but this was just like why we need Joy a cost for all the lives we've lost. This pain in all of us remains at quite a cost. Six million ain't no joke. We win for losing folk. Need a celebration of the soul for this extermination. Super Bowl. She's 
I don't know, man. It was like sort of fitting because again, this show could be totally batshit crazy a lot of the time. Um, but also really disappointing. Uh, and I, the song is not good (laughs) and it's like clearly just being provocative to be provocative, which is really annoying. Um, is that even provocative though? It just seems stupid. Right. No, it's like kind of like, it's like trying to be, I think it thinks that it is being a little provocative, even though everyone's just like, right. What? Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm going to miss this show. I'm sad that it's over. I'm kind of sad that they couldn't make it try and find like a way to keep telling stories even without, um, without the character of Mora. But, you know, also we, I think the show, we've just like kind of moved on a lot as a culture. Like this was the first show to really feature, um, trans storylines. And now I think we've come, and the show debuted in 2014 and like, we've come a long way. Like Pose is on now, like Euphoria, like there are a lot of shows on now that are not afraid to, you know, deal with trans issues. And I think that's awesome. But like, I think we've sort of evolved beyond what Transparent could offer. So yeah, maybe it's time, time, you know? So, I mean, I would say um, Transparent Finale, if you've like kept up with Transparent for sure, and I know a lot of people who watched like the first two seasons and then fell off of it, you don't need to do this. You're fine. Um, If you were like a diehard fan, I guess it's worth checking out. But if you have not watched Transparent since like, you know the first season or something you don't need to come back and uh and watch and watch this um but you're gonna kind of see us into the rest of our episode (laughs) which is gonna be very lady detective focused in a total 180 from the holocaust did you say seeg (laughs) you're gonna seeg we're gonna seeg into it yeah what the hell is that is that supposed to be segue like we're gonna seek isn't that a thing s-e-g-u-e is that not oh a thing oh my god sarah that's segue is it like did you not know that that's how you pronounce that did you think well, segue was only the a... scooter <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna like you were that's not a word no there's no such thing as a seeg i thought segue was i totally thought segue was definitely <laughs> spelled <laughs> The, like the this way is so the scooters. I am gonna seek us into. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I was like, "Seek us? What am I seeking?" And then, I'm sorry to call you out on air. That is so funny. We're gonna do that. We're gonna say seek from now on. All right, we're seeking. We're seeking. <laughs> I totally have always read that as seek, and then like oh a God. segue I... is like a different word. That's I so love... weird. Well, that's why the Segway company thinks they're clever because they spelled it wrong like now we're gonna go i had the way to get there segue no idea that that was the case um this is brilliant i love when that happens i can't think of any right now but they're like words i have where i just have like pronounced them wrong in my head i just wikipedia it and it's like another word and just be like wait is that the same word i just wikipedia it and it's like origin english and it's like s-e-g-u-e and then there's literally a line pointing to Segway, S E G W A Y. Oh my god! An invented word based on Segway. Oh my god! Wow. Okay, well, I've just been going around us. for a long time, and no one's corrected me on this. I don't know how often. I mean, I maybe people it. thought, yeah, that's 
brilliant. Absolutely, always thought that segue was just a normal word. I just like, want everyone who doesn't know Sarah personally to know that she's a very, very smart person. <laughs> That's why this is hilarious. Am okay. I <laughs> um. So, all right. Our seek into our big conversation. So, as many of you know, I enjoy detective shows and murder mysteries. Had and... never heard of that. Nope. Yep. What? Well, yeah. Mm-mm. So, so I watched a lot these past few weeks. Um, we don't need to get into the specifics of how much a lot is, but we'll start with this one British show that I've started watching. It's been on British television for a number of years. Um, I actually don't know if it is still on. I feel like it's been canceled and just recently too. Um, it's called Scott and Bailey. I think they had like five or six seasons. Um, oh yeah. And five seasons, it ended in 2016. So Mm -hmm. I'm like way behind. Um, but the the titular characters, Scott and Bailey, are two detectives in with the major incident team on the Manchester Police Force, which is, I think, a made-up unit. Um, but they keep saying MIT, and I got very confused because I was like, MIT? Um, they So they involve, like, really heinous crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them happen to happen to women or inc- involve women. Um, and it's a really... Is it kind of a UK, like, Law & Order SVU? Kind of, but not... Or criminal intent, even? It's much more just, like, British detective show. Yeah, it's not that heavy. You know, like, every episode is a new crime, but it's with the, the same people, and it's not... I feel like Law & Order is about as procedural as you can get. And, like, yes, they're investigating things, but it takes itself very seriously. The show doesn't quite take itself as seriously. Mm-hmm. It kind of is having... I don't want to say fun, Mm -hmm. but it's very much like a Sunday night drama type thing on ITV. And, um, but the, what makes the show interesting is that, so the two main characters, they're both women. They have a female boss is their, their chief inspector. And she is, her name is Jill and people refer to her as Godzilla behind her back. So she seems like an actually like really good boss, even if she's like definitely a bitch, but like, She's so competent and so funny. She talks really fast and she's super um, efficient and she can just rattle off all the things that they have to investigate. And she's just really delightful to watch. Um, So she's really fun. And something I like about the show is that the men around them that are also on the police force are for the most part, like pretty cool, like good at their jobs. Like one of them once says that she needs to, you know, one of the characters needs to not be, she comes across as intimidating and it's definitely sexist. Um, but it's not, they're not hitting you over the head with that. For the most part, the men are like, recognize that these women are good at their jobs and respect them as colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of fun to just watch women just be good at their jobs. Yes. And we um, will get to this, but that was one of the things that I love the most about Unbelievable is like right it's yeah just, so we're gonna talk not, about unbelievable yeah yeah absolutely but it is refreshing to just see especially in jobs that you've seen for so long on television be just like such a male realm of, right and it's not and it's so it's not as pointed in just saying like look at women can be good at these things too and and while they're putting up with all this sexist bullshit it's very much like hey these women are good at their jobs and also they're traits of their personality and their characters that are typically ascribed to women, such as, you know, empathy and understanding or emotional intelligence are not seen as things that. they have to suppress. Right. They're right. seen as like strengths that actually make them can make really you good better like at this interviewers. Job. Yeah. Like 
the one, the older one, she can get, she's really good at interviewing and she gets all this stuff out of people that, and it's very clear why she's the one that's sent in all the time. Um, and so it's seen as a strength, but they also don't dwell on it. It's not, it's, they don't have such a stark, we, we'll talk about unbelievable, but there's very much in that a thread of just like, of a thread, not a threat, a thread of, you know, just the men's failings as parts of the criminal justice system. This is less about men's failings as it is about women who are good at it and bring all of their, uh, I was about to say womanhood, that's gross. <laughs> I don't know what to say instead, but that yeah. to their job. Yeah, I mean, the, at, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say feminine wiles either because I feel like that's a <laughs> yeah. phrase that's been. We're like, and it's not like feminine intuition or anything like right. that. They're just like, they're just empathetic, good people that also I mean, women are more empathetic and and put that to the side. They're very professional. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, these are kind of right. You say that these are crimes that are more often women are the victim of. I mean, it's so you say so it's not like a sex. It's not like an SVU thing specifically. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not kind of like these are these are Manchester's most like terrible crimes yeah it's it's very much um just like major incidents and it's i think it might be i i would be curious about the, the statistics but about the the vic the, the rate of victims mm-hmm. like the percentage that happen to be women victims mm-hmm. of violent crimes this is different because it's not like they're on the homicide squad it's not right. like they're on the special victim squad they're on the major incident which is this sort of like it might be a made-up thing i don't know if there's an actual parallel within the manchester police structure but it basically becomes a catch-all for the most flashy crimes mm-hmm. so it's like some of them are murders some of them are there's like a whole there's a whole rape one in the first season that is actually like really well done um and and that's like the that's kind of gets you into it where you're thinking like this investigating these crimes has a special place um in the the brains of these women that are investigating it it's not like it's personal but they they see it in a unique way Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and they probably listen to their victims in a unique way and like i mean again that's all stuff that comes up in unbelievable but like ways that women can approach this type of job that like actually may make them way better at it so that's really interesting yeah yeah, yeah i mean maybe I like I, again the the boss is such a fun reason to watch the show and mm. it's like i said it's it's a little bit lighter fair i mean it's serious crimes but it's definitely like a a thing you just you can just sit and watch when you know it's 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 it goes down a little easy yeah the, the crimes are solved kind of like yeah. law and order in that way it's very procedural satisfying that, that ending bit. yeah yeah um and the the actors in it are really good. Um, you know, the first, the top three billed actors are all the women. And, um, oh, hilariously, I read, like, a, a Guardian review where this person was like, why can't there be any normal dudes? All the dudes in this are buffoons. And which is so not true. Like, that was not my takeaway after I watched a bunch of episodes and then read this because they're all portrayed pretty normal. And it just shows how fragile men are about honest depictions and that was a uh, a man who wrote that i think i review. it was referenced in another review and i clicked on it so i can't i'm not sure if i can find it easily but i have a 
I have a feeling it yeah. was the dude who wrote it. Yeah. I'm open to being wrong on that, but yeah. Um, would not would not be terribly surprised to learn yeah. that. But the actors are really good. I also found out that two of the main characters from the first two seasons are actually married in real life. And it's funny because he's Cute. very much... Um, He's, like, 10 years younger than her in real life, but they're supposed to be the same. But she also just has not aged quite as... This is awful. I'm being awful. She hasn't aged quite as well. And she kind of reminds me of, like, a very kindly witch. Her (laughs) her name is Leslie Sharp. I think she's really good, and I like her character, like, a lot. Um, But it's funny. So, anyway. But they're married in real life, which I like. That is cute. Well, there's only so many Britons, so... Yeah, so if you're looking for just, like, a... I mean, cause, so this came about because I have Acorn TV now. Of course. We all knew I would get... I can't believe you resisted it as long as you did. I know. I know. And I can't believe I even thought I would get rid of, like, the, the free trial after a week. Like, give, yeah. get a grip, We've Amanda. met you, Amanda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm watching it on there, and there's just so many shows. There are so many shows. And so if you're trying to decide which of these could be interesting, because I think it must be... You're, like, be... never going to watch American television again. I think well, I know, and, just, and like so many of these detective shows, I've never heard of, and they're just—I mean—they are just churning them out. It's just like a factory. It's of amazing these that they shows, can come up so. with that many crimes. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm like, uh, I doubt that in Britain, but um, if so, if you're trying to figure out one to watch from all of those, I recommend Scott and Bailey, um, a show that also has a age difference um, that I'm not sure if I can recommend because I don't know who. I would possibly recommend this show, too. (laughs) No idea. It's called Detective Anna. Um, In its its Russian form, it's Anna Detective. Mm -hmm. And it's a Russian show um, that I also came across on Acorn and saw because the description just, like, had me at hello. And it was basically the premise is... It's 1888 in this small town in Russia called Zatonsk, and there is a rich young woman named Anna, and she is a medium, and she can see ghosts and talk to spirits. So she talks, she is often visited by recently murdered people, and she Hmm. talks to them and gets clues from them to help the local detective solve Okay, so we've got a paranormal aspect here. Yeah, kind of like that that Jennifer Love Hewitt. Okay, show, the Ghost, Ghost Whisperer. Whisperer. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. which I never watched, but um, this one has better dresses. Um, <laughs> we're sure of that. We're sure of that. Yeah, and the detective whom I mentioned, um, Yakov Platonovich Stolman, he is. So I was reading a description and there's very little written about this show, at least in English, that I could find. So if anyone knows anything about this show, whether there's more episodes, if it's coming back, if there was a reason it was like abruptly ended, please let me know. Like email us, tweet Hmm. at us, whatever. If anyone Um, has insights here. Yeah, because there are very few descriptions available but um one of the hilarious ones i came across was describing the show as 19 year old anna helps 37 year old yakov and she's 26 so that's fine but the actor who plays the supposedly 37 year old uh stolman is um like 56 IRL. I imagine this also would have been more common in the 1880s. 
Probably, Not but it's quite just like as weird. He, and there's this like hilarious part where her uncle, who's also really into the spiritualist movement, um, he's the one that kind of got her into it. He's talking about the detective, and he's just like, "I remember when I was his age, like how much fun I was having." And I looked up the two actors, and they're a month apart. <laughs> <laughs> really? So, like, I think it's just a thing, maybe in Russian television, and I would love to hear more about this from people who would know more than me. I'm wondering if there's a suspension of disbelief with this stuff that um, Americans have kind of not been able to get over, or, like, Western audiences can't really do. Like, this idea... The, you know, if you watch a play, if you go see a play, I'm not, like, a playgoer, but sometimes you're just like, oh, I think in real life this guy would not be, like, the handsome devil they say he is, but he's on a stage far away, like, they get away with it. Yeah, yeah. In, like, age, too, or, like, like older people play teenagers or something. This very much has that ring to it where, like, everyone in Russia is maybe willing to go along with the fact that this isn't, like, a huge age gap, that she's not more than twice or half his, half his age. Hmm. So... Interesting. Anyway, and it's in and it's in Russian. It's all in Russian, so it has some it has subtitles that are often kind of weird. But I can't believe you still watch that many uh, episodes of a show that's all in Russian. I like <laughs> my friend Heather. She was when I mentioned how many episodes I watched. She's like, and they were subtitled. I was like, yeah. She's like, so you were reading. <laughs> you spent all that time reading. I was like, thank you, Heather. Yeah, I was reading. I was so. She's like, I work in communications. It's fine. Were... I can spin things for you. Yeah, you were reading with moving pictures. Yeah, I was. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't looking at my phone. Yeah. I was reading, yeah. and I also can say I I learned a lot about like Russia. I. I learned some Russian words. Um, I like, for instance, what is "что"? "Что"? Um, uh, and I learned more about naming conventions in Russia because I'd always been confused in the Americans when they would be inside the directorate, and they would like say the first and last name to each other. Do you yeah. remember that? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, apparently that's like a normal thing. It's like a first and middle name. That's not actually someone's family name. That's They're saying like, so her name is Anna Miranova. Uh-huh. Um, she's a Miranov. So she's Miranova. And her father's name is Victor. So she's Anna Viktorovna. And he, his oh, father's name is okay. like... So like, that's like a first and middle name. So they would say like, Miranova is my name. You can call me Anna Viktorovna. So, anyway, I learned that. Yeah, that more than I learned in multiple seasons of The Americans, yeah. Yeah, and I also was, like, worried that the whole age difference would kind of gross me out. Usually if that happens, I kind of just can't watch a show. I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I, like, didn't mind it after a while. Mm-hmm. The The main guy, he's very Russian, but he also looks like a cross between Hugh Grant and, like, Vincent Cassel. So... I like yeah. that. I, um, that yeah, is a they, you know, quite the, a the, cross. <laughs> what was that? That's quite a mixture of uh, of folks there. If you Google Dimitri Freed, you'll see a lot of photos that people have posted of him next to like Hugh Grant, photos of Hugh Grant, and it's kind of uncanny. But I got more of a Vincent Cassell vibe from him. Let me see here. So. I'm only coming up with Dimitri Martin. Wait, his name's Dimitri Freed? D-M-I-T-R-Y-F-R-I-D, I I think. Okay. Yep. 
Oh, it's an IY at the end. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. I am getting so, you. So, anyway. It was fine after a while. Things, the, the, the gender relations aspect of it, I don't know if it's Russian. I don't know if it's just the show. But it was not quite as progressive as some of the other things we uh, walk. There's a lot of her just throwing herself into his arms, which is a little irritating. But um, that's okay. But all the, of our all of our shows don't need to be, you know. No. Yeah. I mean, it would been, you know, be nice. But <laughs> no, you're yeah. allowed. I feel like this is. You know, I mean, I I think it's funny because I think of like every I think what I think of Acorn. I'm like everything on Acorn must be just like very high minded. You know, I'm kind Mm-mm. of like. Oh, I think all, it's like the opposite. Yeah, where it's all there's so many of, just like so many just like lowbrow stupid yeah yeah shows. Yeah. I um I love one it. other thing I want to talk about. Well, first I want to say that the mysteries in it are actually like pretty good and well crafted, and they're um, all like ghostly mysteries, like about people. Well, who kind are, of like, yeah. and it's weird that she. I mean, she never really takes away the the solving from the detective, which is part of the gender thing. Um, he still seems to be able to be like very competent. He would have solved it anyway. Um, and I feel like I audiences here might really like want her to solve them primarily, but. But the mysteries are pretty good. There's like an underlying mystery that starts in the later um, half that feels very late season X-Files and the fact that it seems to be made up as it goes along and they don't know what they're doing and then it's not resolved. Yeah. Um, So I'd appreciate any information about that because it's also possible I just didn't understand what was happening. Um, Yeah. But also the show is so Russian, Sarah. (laughs) It's so first of all it looks cold as hell there it is just like not most of the episodes are like filmed in snow god you see their breath and it's very clear it's real it's not like right there yeah (laughs) yeah we don't have to fake the like yeah tundra feel of this show and like people just be like eating outside like wrapped up they're like oh it's good to get some fresh air and it's like clearly 40 degrees (laughs) God. Yeah. Uh, also, they drink a lot. Like, a very common alibi for a lot of the people that are suspects is like, I was drinking. And it's like, oh, I yeah. don't remember anything. Oh, And people enough. are like, oh, he was drinking. He won't remember a thing. Like, blacking <laughs> out is completely normal. Like, they don't even refer to it as blacking out. They basically just say, he was drunk, so of course he doesn't remember. Of course he drank to oblivion. Right. And, like, anytime one, like, a character expresses anything, like, any modicum of emotion, the other character will be like, Yakov Blotonovich, have you been drinking? Mm. And you're just like... And he's just like, not yet. I was going to. Would you like a drink? Anyway, they drink a lot. It's really funny. And is this a show that's on, like, it's on now? Or it's, like, been on? Do you know if it's still airing new? no idea. Hmm. I don't know. I think it's over. Yeah. I think it ended abruptly, but I honestly don't know. It exists in, like, its own plane of time and space. All right, that's fair. It's just, like, I don't know what's not. Anyway, it's hard to tell, but. So, I don't know. Who I can recommend that show to, to, but honestly... There's gotta be another person out there. Like, one listener out there that, like... Is looking for a Is, like, intrigued and will watch it, and then will email and just be like, hey, I watched it too. It was weird, but I get why you liked it, and we could just bond over that. That person might be my mom. Oh my god, Gail, please watch the show. Gail, if you want to watch it. Tell me what you think. Yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff about it, but... 
it might just be me because I'm an American. I don't know. Right. And this is like the number one rated show in Russia or something. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I think he's a big star in Russia, but I have I have no idea. I have no context for this show. Right. I love it. I, <laughs> I just know it's Russian. Anyway, we should move on to something that we can recommend. Um, without um, pretty yeah, without any sort of qualifications like of, and you don't have to read it. That's kind of nice. I mean, you could. <laughs> you I don't guess. have to read for yeah, like a hundred hours or whatever horrible amount of. Wait, did you mention how, hours. and you mentioned how many episodes uh, of Detective Anna you watched, right? Just Well, I'm not, to you, but I'm not gonna. You're not, you don't want the uh, people, listeners. People who want to know can find out. <laughs> I will say I did not watch the end, so, because that's, I do that. I just often don't watch the last episode of things, so. Yeah, okay. Well, so minus some, If you want to make bets, everyone, on how many episodes <laughs> of Detective Anna um, Amanda watch, closest guess get some kind of prize that I haven't determined yet. But it'll yeah, be good. Um, they get us never speaking about it again. <laughs> Unless they come out with more of them, then, in which case, yes. you'll probably... But anyway, we're going to talk about Unbelievable, the Netflix series. Yeah. Um, and that's much more manageable in terms of uh, length. There's eight episodes. You can do it. Much more. Yeah. Um, much more manageable in terms of length, although, yeah, it's a difficult, difficult show for sure. Um, so I didn't find it too difficult after I skipped the first two episodes. Like, I skipped the first one because it was too hard. And then I started the second one. I was like, mm, still not ready for this. And I just went right to the third. Yeah. I and think, it was fine then. I think once you get to that point, because um, once I got to that point, I also just kind of was had to stop myself from, from binging the rest of them. I mean, I watched the first one. And, yeah, I couldn't um, – I, I didn't have any desire to watch it for another week after that. So I – didn't yeah. didn't watch it again for several days. Uh, I did pick up with the second one, and and that one, yeah, was also less difficult than the first, but still pretty tough. And then and then from there, it really turns into more of a um, procedural, I think, and more of kind of a traditional sort of doc, you know, fictionalized docudrama. Um, but. Yeah. Yeah, this is Netflix's Unbelievable, which is a show based on reporting done by uh, a, a journalist with um, ProPublica and the Marshall Project about a serial... Yeah, two journalists, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, about a series of rapes that occurred in a few different states uh, between 2008 and 2011. Um, T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong. Sorry, just yeah, and I think Ken Armstrong is the one who uh, actually produced the show for This American Life, which also did an episode about it, um, it, which featured yeah, just yeah, and that featured like interviews with the actual people involved. Um, And I think the This American Life episode, which re-aired last week um, in conjunction with the show. It's not the show wasn't like produced or anything in in conjunction with uh, this American Life, but they wanted to re-air it, um, and I think it makes a good companion. Although, if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, you should watch listen to it after watching the show. But, um, and I mean, basically, what happens in the show is there's a, a woman at the beginning who's uh, 
a young woman who's like, I mean, really like 18 or 19. Um, and she's living in a apartment complex that's like transitional housing for at-risk youth, um, kind of getting their, getting their feet off the ground. And, um, the, and she, her apartment is broken into and she's raped and the police kind of come to investigate, um, and they start getting an investigation going, but then they're kind of derailed by a woman who, uh, is, very close to Marie and it's a complicated, I think this is one of the early kind of complicated aspects of the story. I mean, it's a former foster parent of hers who loves her very deeply, but um, she kind of doesn't recognize, she finds Marie's behavior in the wake of the rape to be kind of off-putting and strange, especially considering that she herself was also uh, once raped and kind of felt like I know what a rape victim looks like and acts like because I know it happened to me and didn't really feel like Marie was acting in a way that, um, you know, made a lot of sense to her. So she goes... Well, and I think the show is also about how we take certain types of women more seriously than others. So if you have a young Mm -hmm. girl who's been a troubled teen, who's been in and out of the system and, like, you know, has all this... Yeah. We don't don't take them as seriously. Um, And I think even if she had good intentions and she was the foster mom, I'm sure on some level she didn't... She saw her, her, her children, her whatever you... Her foster children is kind of like you know, damaged or something, you know? Yeah, I think that probably also had something to do with it. I mean, I think the other aspect here is people are not going to always act like people's, you know, people's responses to trauma. Well, yeah, we, we think that trauma. there's a certain way someone should, should act, act after their rape, which is yeah. not everyone responds to trauma differently. Totally. And I think that goes along with just, you know, like, well, this person would act you know, just the untrustworthiness. We don't trust women, so right, exactly. Even yeah. other women don't trust women. Is is yeah, kind exactly. of the uh, is kind of the other point there, and um, and so you know the investigation just gets derailed by this, and the cops become convinced that she's not telling the truth, and um, they wind up closing the case, and this woman suffers greatly. For this and it's really I mean that's what you know when we say that the first episode is difficult to watch I mean um it's not difficult to watch in that it's there's graphic depictions of rape or anything like that um it's really just difficult to watch in that it's so so hard to see this woman um not believed yeah and just so summarily dismissed um her experience just totally ignored. Um, And it's really, really sad. I I mean, a a lot of that is, I think the, the acting of the show is incredible. Um, And Caitlin Deaver, who plays the the main character here, Marie, the woman who's the, the victim of this rape is she's so good. I'm still thinking about this performance. Like, I can't get it she, out of my head. You might recognize her from Booksmart. From Booksmart. She was great. Which is a great movie. A great movie. And, uh, I mean, she's incredible. It, the show then, I mean, from there, 
you know, we move on. That's kind of the first episode. The second episode, we fast forward a couple of years and um, there's another victim of a very similar rape, uh, very similar like MO, um, rapist with a really similar MO, similar circumstances to Marie's rape. And this is in Colorado now. And a, a new detective, uh, obviously a different detective, starts following this case investigating this case and then finds out that there are other cases in colorado um in you know a town the next town over one or two towns over that are also um a similar mo and clearly the same person could be responsible for for these rapes and then the rest of the show kind of goes back and forth in time between marie's struggle after after um after having her her case closed um the cops eventually uh wind up charging her for uh charging marie charging marie with false uh a false testimony i think like for filing a you know lying about a crime which like never happens they you know the other, I think something that's really interesting there is like how the other, the cops in Colorado respond to finding that out. Like, <laughs> you did <Yeah>. what? <laughs> you charged this one with a crime? Like, good luck. Hope that works out for you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, what did, what did you think of this show overall? I thought I was just really impressed by it. I thought it was excellent. Um, um, I'm glad I watched it yeah. and I thought it was really good and I highly recommend it. Um, I, that first of all, the acting is the best. So the two cops there that, um, both Colorado cops that start working together to try to solve this once they realize that it's likely a serial rapist. Um, it's played by Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver and they're both incredible and, um, they, the, I think the acting is the best thing. There are really good moments of writing, and in general, I think the show's really well done. But there are also like some moments that I felt were a little too heavy-handed, mm-hmm. a little too um, tell not showing. That just seemed kind of cliche. Um, one that stuck out with me. There's a the part where Merritt Weaver's character Duval is explaining to Rasmussen, um, uh, Tony Collette's character, like. Well, this one time when I was a, I think it might have been when she was a cop, but she had been called to a domestic disturbance where this guy had basically just beat the shit out of his wife. He was taken to jail and processed, and the, she, um, Merritt Weaver's character, is like, can I take you to the hospital, to the woman? And the woman was like, no, 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 I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here. It's fine, please. And Merritt Weaver's like, I made a, I made a note to go and check on her again later that night because I was worried. And, but she was pressured by her, by all the male cops, like, come out and have a drink. Don't be lame. Come out and have a drink. And so she did. And she didn't go and check on this woman. And then the woman, uh, the guy came home. He was released on bail, came home and, and like left her brain damaged. And she regrets that and um, carries a lot of guilt about that. And I thought that's, that's such an interesting anecdote because a lot is highlighted there you know, about, like, male peer, peer pressure and about, like, the, the 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 amount of baggage women and guilt women will carry about things mm-hmm. and about different approaches to why they might be thinking that they are there to serve and protect, you know? And 
it was delivered and it was either it's either the direction the writing or the acting but it was delivered in this way that just was felt so like eye rolly to me it was just like her sitting and telling the story really quiet with so much weight to all the words mm-hmm. <laughs> that just didn't work for me and i was just i was actually weirdly disappointed by that because i thought the anecdote was so interesting and it could have been delivered in a much more unique way that didn't feel so cliche i tend to think it was a combination of the writing and the direction that made it the, this this anecdote be conveyed in this way. I don't think it's entirely down to Merritt Weaver's choices. I think it's um, interesting you say that though, because I will say, I think I I really really f- liked her performance. I thought she was great, but I I think the main one of the main cr- criticisms that I saw a couple of times, not so much from critics, but from other people I know who watched this show was more a little bit finding uh, Merritt Weaver's performance a little bit maybe overwrought or kind of... I mean, uh, there are times where it's very much like, okay, Merritt Weaver's being a cop right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, I watched this I with, felt uh, that way. I watched a bunch of episodes with Tom who, who didn't, just couldn't quite put his finger on what he didn't find totally convincing about Merritt Weaver either. I really liked it, but I can see where it's a... It's sort of a performance right. that I think is going to, it could go one one of two ways, I think, uh, with uh, yeah, you. Yeah, but in that case, it was just, it was definitely just the, the choice of how they were going to have her explain this story. Mm-hmm. And there were other situations like that. And there are other things where they, they, I remember I read like a Vulture review where they were like, the perfect example of how you like show don't tell and I was like I felt the opposite there were some lines where I was kind of just like yeah we get it yeah <laughs> you could have you could have said this a different way yeah like, I think multiple times they make the point I can think of at least two times and I feel like there might have been more they make the point about how um men have like we could find so many rapists they wouldn't so many of these crimes wouldn't go unsolved if the police and the criminal justice system approached um, it with the same meticulousness and dedication that they approach finding murderers. Approach to rape um, case, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they approach rape cases, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, like, they, they make that point more than once explicitly, where it's kind of like, well, yeah, yeah, I know. And, like, the whole point, and they also say, like, these, there's some speeches like, women's, these women's lives have been ruined, where it's kind of like, well, well yes. We don't have to say this quite this way. Mm. But then there are other parts that I thought were, were like, so good that... Because I'm not trying to say that every conversation in a show needs to be hyper-realistic. Like, there's room for, for you know, vague understatement. And there's room for grandiose speeches that kind of knock your socks off that aren't quite what people would sound like in real life. Mm-hmm. And there's a great moment in, I think, the third episode where... Merritt Weaver's character is just laying into one of her police officers about just his assumption that they're processing a rape kit quickly because they had they had requested expedition and he hasn't checked up on it and she's just kind of like why would why are you approaching this with so lackadaisically like what is wrong with you and she gives this really great speech Taggart's a good guy he wasn't being intentionally hostile he's part of the hostile process He's not wrong about CSI. You know that. Okay. 
hypothetical scenario. A study comes out showing 40% of female cops abuse their kids. What do you think would happen? 40% of female cops would lose their job. And that would be right. That would be appropriate. Now look at this. This is a study from Florida where, like, everywhere there are cops beating their wives. Guess how many of them are still on the job? 30%. Everyone knows huge correlation between violence at home and violence against strangers. And even so, a third of wife-beating cops in Florida are still walking around with a badge and a gun. I hear you. I just don't think that's entirely Taggart's fault. Well, it's no one's fault entirely. That's the problem. No one's accountable. No one is looking at this data about violence against women. I mean, what if men were raped at the rate women are? What if Taggart was worried a stranger was going to fuck him in the ass when he's walking home from the grocery store at night? This man is helping us. This man is stepping okay. up. Okay. But where is his outrage? You know, where is the voice looking at this pattern saying, this is supremely fucked up? It is. But you sitting out here, screaming into the wind, does nothing to unfuck it. And it's like, nah, no one talks like that. But it was good because it didn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't just explaining why rape is, is important to follow. Like, it's just her being mad. And I thought that was good. Um, or the, the scenes where the, at the end, where the women confront the rapist, um, the one of, one of the characters, what she says, I thought was really affecting. Um, I'm not sure someone would be that eloquent in that situation, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a lot that they were trying to... There's a lot of both... The, both thematically and content wise that they that they were trying to get across and I think like I agree some some parts are done a little more uh, done like a little more gracefully than others but to me I think the quality of the acting really kind of overshadowed any I mean Tony Collette is just I had yeah they were just the the like the first of all her American <laughs> accent is Impeccable. consistently the best any Aussie has ever done yeah always impeccable I mean I you know I and I, I think this this show is remarkable in that although I did read an interview with the creator Susanna Grant where she's like no I didn't necessarily go into this with a feminist you know trying to make a feminist show but I mean that's certainly what she's Done. I mean, I think this is a crime show that has a distinctly feminist perspective, which Absolutely. is astounding. Um, is just not something that you see on television. No, and I want more of this stuff. Totally, I want more. I mean, like, I, and I think you because I mean, I actually just. I mean, I have been watching shows about women detectives, so clearly I like right, it. Right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, so many shows just like. What you and get this is probably you, the best of those three. Absolutely, I mean, like, and what you the what you get. Well, you didn't you see have, the other two. Well, that's true. <laughs> okay, you did not see Detective Anna, but I have seen a lot of American crime shows. <laughs> yeah, and true. I've seen a lot of American crime shows, and I think the difference that you get when you put women in the creative roles on these shows, I mean, again and again, is just the differences. I mean, not that there were no men involved in this show, and actually, Michael Shabin. Uh, uh, is a co-writer on a few of the episodes, and his, that cracks me his up. and his uh, Islet Waldman's his wife, right? I think. Um, yeah, she's the one that like wrote that thing about like why you should love your husband more than your children. Right. <laughs> I saw them. Um, I saw them give a talk one time, and it was a, 
she is a she's a wild ride. <laughs> she's um, so you, I know her brother. Oh really? Paul. He wrote for the prospect. Oh, Paul Waldman. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. that's her brother. Yes. He's he's great. Paul's awesome. Paul's I mean, I don't know her, so I'm not trying to say that like he's great compared to her. Yeah. Like I know him. He's He's awesome, like super nice and like incredibly brilliant. This was actually. I just thought, I remember when I found that out, like I heard about her and I was like, oh, that's funny. And then like discovered like a year later that that was totally. <laughs> the I was kind of like, what? talk that I went to with them was actually uh, about. It's like about Israel and about like being okay with like, you know, hating Israel. With Israel? No, no, no. Being okay with uh, be as a Jew, being okay with like you know, not being on board with Israel <laughs> and Israel's <laughs> actions. Okay, yeah, Sarah, no, no, no. Let's change the subject. Yeah, no, no, no. It was, it's a, it was a really interesting talk about, you know, yeah, how their yeah. attitudes towards Israel have obviously changed seismically over the last, you know, 15 years. Um, and uh, and it, so anyway, she was a wild ride. But huh. um, I bet she seems like she'd be really totally at a dinner party. Totally. Yes. And and so they were uh, both creative forces behind the show. But also, yeah, the creators, Susanna Grant. And uh, I think most of the other there were other executive producers in the show who were women, I think, including Tony Collette. Um, and also, oh, I should also say that Scott and Bailey was created by women and is written primarily by women. I am shocked. Just, shocked. just a little plug. Yeah. So again, like what? Give women shows. Give women more shows. Give them more writing jobs. Give them more. You know, not just like the writing, but you know, the creative guidance of yeah. the show. I mean, what you get with this show, you know, again, like what I was saying, I think about how. We were, we were talking about this earlier with Scott and Bailey, but, like, the ways in which women can approach police work that might actually make them better at it. Like, you right. know, one of the big themes of this show, you know, is it's believe women, but, like, what they kind of, you know, more importantly than believe women, it's, it's like, listen to them and, like, listen to their stories, you know. Yeah. Follow up on what they're saying. Like, this show... Stop and think you might be wrong. Stop and think, yeah. You, Women do that all the time. Exactly. We're constantly thinking Second we might guessing. be wrong. Yeah, and and I mean the the main you know crux of the show is there's both Marie's you know experience after you know her incredibly traumatic rape and and treatment by the police, and then the show becomes really about kind of contrast the contrast between the investigations going on in Colorado. Um, and what happened in Marie's case in Washington and just how differently the detectives, these two women, Rasmussen and uh, uh, what's Merritt's uh, character's last name? I forget. Um, but Whose character? Uh, Merritt Weaver's character. Oh, Duvall. Duvall. Duvall and Rasmussen. Shelley Duvall. Yeah. <laughs> Shelley Duvall. Um, I actually don't remember her first name, but I know her last name is Duvall. Karen, I think it's Karen. Karen Duvall. Um, and the way that they handle the investigation um, every step of the way of like, you know, being okay with, you know, running into dead ends and just trying, throwing absolutely everything at the wall to, and a lot of relying on like, honestly, pure luck to connect a lot of these, you know, elements of this, these different rape cases. Yeah. She talks about that at one point. Yeah. And like, you just got to follow up on kind of laments it. Right. Totally. Um, it's yeah, I will also these, say because these police departments weren't 
sharing this kind of information right. organically. And like, if they hadn't just happened to have a couple of crazy coincidences, they may have never connected the, the cases. Right. Right. Um, um, yeah. I'll also say that like, in keeping the point about like, this is what, you know, women, I, I feel like the show parallels the content of the show parallels the, the show's, the actual show's creation. Right. So, you know, at one when an investigation is handled by women who understand what a rape can do, how it can upend a woman's life, they're as thorough as they would be if they, when they're pursuing murderers. They are, you know, like, mm-hmm. d- you know, dedicated, mm-hmm. right? And at the same time, it's like, well, look what happens when you have women create a show. It's less offensive. It's not gratuitous, like, violence against women. It's handled, the content is handled with care and a full knowledge of the weight of the imagery and all of this. And it's, it's, and it's still really good and engaging um, and, like, can really have an effect on the viewer. And, you know, sometimes you just, like, I, I just feel like the, the show's creation definitely mirrors the message of the show. Like, what the criminal justice system could be if it's put in the hands of all people. Right. And then the, and the, when those people are trained to specifically, I mean, that was the other thing is that these women had a lot of experience with rape cases and like, you know, through... but that's also because they were, they chose to care and learn about totally. Those. And yeah, I think that's, that's like the point, right? That like, what couldn't our, what could our criminal justice system be? Like, how could it, how could it work for the most vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, and if we can have people who know how important it is to, um, you know, who know how to investigate cases like this, train people to investigate cases of sexual assault, because there's a lot of things that you have to do differently in a sexual assault case, you know, that you might need to be right. Like we were talking about with the different types of reactions you know, I mean, you you can just go into cases like this. I think a lot of men would with a lot of assumptions. Uh, and, yeah. you know, you have to, like, right, be prepared to have those assumptions kind of turned up on, on uh, flipped upside down. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I thought, you know, the other ways in which this show just so different. I mean, not, you know, sympathizing with the rapist at all really being very selective right. with the flashbacks. Yeah, they weren't interested of... in making him see hum- he- seem human, too. No, yeah, oh, yeah. And, and you know, being very selective with the... But they also didn't make him seem like a cartoon villain. Right. No, he was absolutely a random monster, I mean, but, a, you know, a human. Like, he's just a person, you know. when they, I thought the extended scene where they were collecting DNA from him was really effective. Um, yeah. You know, just kind of picking him apart and contrasting that with, uh, I know you didn't watch the first couple, but, you know, in the first episode after Marie's rape, she has to go into uh, the hospital to do to do a rape kit. And, you know, even there, she's not treated with the same kind of care that the cops uh, in Colorado ensure that their victims are treated with at um the hospitals that they go to because the cops are there to you know absolutely make sure that they are being seen by nurses that do you know rape kits that they are being seen by nurses who are you know 
empathetic. Um, and, you know, again, that kind of care just didn't happen with Marie. And, and it's just a very stark, um, awful experience for her going through that, the, the medical exam and, you know, kind of seeing it sort of similar to what the rapist goes through himself ultimately is is pretty disturbing. Um, but this is a great show. I would definitely recommend to any, I mean, just if you're, I mean, obviously if you're into true crime, like you just don't see a show with this kind of perspective very often. And I, I totally hope that we see more of it. You're right. It's, uh, I just thought it was just really excellently done. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, five stars. I give it five stars. Yeah, I give it, I give it, I give, I'll give it five. Four and a half just, it just seems unnecessary to do that. An extra just, half uh, a why, point. Why not? I'll give five. An extra half a star, uh, you know, because. Just like when I'm rating my lift drive. I would also give it stars. an extra half a star for the casting of um, Marie's therapist, who uh, was the woman who, I think in like a particularly like excellent bit of casting, was the woman who in Silence of the Lambs is abducted by Buffalo Bill. And oh jeez. And so it's kind of like you've seen like I think that was like intentional. I was reading someone else uh ruminate on this and it feels like kind of intentional casting of like this is someone who's been through some shit and you can trust her and she's going to help you and she helps Marie. Yeah. Um and the real Marie also listened watched the show and found it incredibly uh cathartic she they included a a response from her on the rebroadcast of the this american life episode which i think was also i just that just made me i was glad to hear that yeah that's great yeah that she found it um that she thought it was good and and useful um but so that's that's it for that uh looking ahead yeah what you watching uh, I'm sort of interested in this new Paul Rudd show on Netflix, mainly because his wife is played by uh, Ashling B. Wait, I had not heard about that. I know, I've barely heard about it at all. I just watched the first two episodes of um, uh, This Way Up with my friend Callie this weekend. I was waiting for my bus back from Philly and was Super like, you should watch this. Show. So I like watched the first two episodes with her before my bus arrived and like, yeah. She's so great. She's so good. I didn't know she had a new show. This is awesome. I don't care that much about Paul Rudd, but like, I really want more Ashling B. I mean, Paul Rudd is great. He's great. Yeah. And is Paul Rudd bad? No, he's always good. I think this show is like about, he's like dissatisfied with his life and he like figures out a way to like make a copy of himself or something. And that version of him starts leaving his life like better than he was living it. It's called living with yourself. Um, okay. So I'm kind of into the premise. I like these actors. Um, I heard it was like my initial thoughts on it are like, it's fine. Maybe not great, but I kind of want to check it out. So that also Bojack back for half a season on October I had no 25th. Idea. Yeah. The other half of the season's in January. And that's the last batch of episodes. That's exciting. It's exciting, but sad. Um, but sad, yeah. Bittersweet. Yeah. So I will be clearly downing some Bojack in the near future. Yeah. 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 Uh, what about you? So I saw the other night that the um, Netflix show, it's like their one of their first like forays into French television called The Hookup Plan. You're so, you're so worldly. 
Um, You're so worldly. I I know. I know. (laughs) Um, So I just I love watching things with subtitles. (laughs) You love reading, you mean. I love reading. I'm a big reader. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I watched the first season and thought it was really enjoyable. It's basically just an extended sitcom. The premise of the first season was these two friends... A fr- one, the third friend has gone through a breakup and is super sad. So these two friends try to like make her feel better, and one of them uh, books a gigolo for her and like, but doesn't tell her. So she she arranges like this elaborate meet cute thing, and so this this girl thinks she's going on actual dates, and then but like the the guy is actually just a, a prostitute, and um, but they don't they don't have sex or anything. Mm. So okay. Anyway, it's like, and then of course they fall in love. Of course. So it's very much like a, you know, like, there's nothing terribly original about it. But then she finds out that he's not who he said he was, that it was all a lie. And that's kind of where, like, the season ends. She kind of, like, gives up and then just starts a new life. And she's, like, really, she she's like, I don't need anybody. Gets a new apartment and, like, tells her friends off. And so the new season has come out. And it's the hookup so I'll be plan. watching that. It's very, very Parisian. Hookup plan. Hmm. I had never heard of this. I swear I talked about it. Did you? I guess you don't listen to me. Did you? I you talk about so many foreign shows. They all do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch that many foreign no, shows. No, you don't. I don't remember the hookup plan, though. Okay. I thought it was a reality show for a second. Um, but Oh, yeah. No, that would be fun, I too. I mean, if I talked about it, it would have been a year ago. Okay. I don't think I would have kept it a secret. No, it doesn't seem like you. I don't think it seems... It's not anything to be ashamed no, of. Sure. No, it doesn't Also, seem I feel like, like I'm pretty open. I just talked about the hours of Detective Anna I watched. So In unspecified. I have no shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will... Who's watching The Watchmen? The answer is I didn't know this was me. a thing either. You're just full of knowledge. Yeah. Like... I didn't. Um, I, didn't I know. know no, about this because that. the trailers are on HBO constantly, and oh, I've and you've been, been watching, watching Succession, Succession yeah. like a traitor. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It is the Watchmen is actually coming back. Conceived. Uh, this is from J.J. Abrams directly. Yeah, from I'm not, not going to watch that. No, I don't care about the Watchmen. I don't. I read Sarah. I read the graphic novel. Oh yeah, but you still have no interest. I don't remember anything about it. Did you see the movie? No. I don't, yeah. Neither did I. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I don't even know why I read it. I think I was just like, a bunch of people had recommended it. So I was like, okay, but like, seems a little out of your wheelhouse. It clearly didn't stick with me. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a little surprised to learn that. I I know, it's not my, it's not my usual fare. No, I have never cared about The Watchmen, but you know, I guess people do. Uh, The fact that J.J. Abrams is doing it is probably exciting for some people as well but um i'm not among them well, we're not some people we don't need to worry about me changing my mind on this one i promise um i swear to god <laughs> not coming i'll just be watching bojack four times back to back um <laughs> for the next month so there's definitely no concern about me uh reneging on this um i'm gonna seek right into the end of the show here and uh seek away i'm gonna seek into saying uh goodbye for this week amanda goodbye for this week and uh go nats go nats keep watching the skies all right yeah